I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of Empire Podcast Spoiler Specials. This one is dedicated to the bullet fest that is John Wick Chapter 2. Oh yes, uh, a little squee there from Helen O'Hara. Uh, and here today to join me in discussing this movie, Helen O'Hara, as you heard. Hello. Uh, me, I wrote the Empire Review, four stars, and James Dyer. Hello. Hello, how are you all? James was on set. I wasn't. James was on set. I keep forgetting that. Yes. Yes. I also had forgotten that. Yes. Well, this is good. Um, We will get into that. We'll get to James' memories of his set visit, which have lodged themselves in his brain. Um, Must have been a cracker. Um, We'll get into that later on. And obviously, as ever, it's a spoiler special. So if you have not seen John Wick Chapter 2, then hide thee to your nearest cinema. Oh, or maybe your nearest Continental Hotel, which I believe has a screening room. Uh, check out the movie and then come back, because we will be discussing the film in spoilerific detail, including third act stuff. And I was going to say the deaths, but I don't think we have enough time <laughs> to, to, to cover all the deaths in this movie, which has a phenomenally high body count. Mm. But first, James and Helen here had the pleasure of interviewing the film's director, Chad Tehelski, who was co-director of the first movie, along with David Leach. And what's his name? Oh, that guy. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the, he's got the beard and the hair. Yeah. Oh, Keanu Reeves. That's right. Keanu Reeves himself. Uh, they were in London last week. James and Helen went along to them and uh, once again were drenched in spoilers by the end of it. You should have seen their faces. So much fun. So do enjoy these spoiler-filled interviews with Chance Tehelski first and then Keanu Reeves. Enjoy. Ken Reeves, welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to meet you. How are you? I'm doing all right today in London town. <laughs> so well, we loved the film, first of all. We genuinely loved it. Thank Good. Thank you. <laughs> great. Great. Where to even begin? Yeah. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump in with my favourite set piece in the film. All right. Which is you and Common taking silent pot shots at each other while walking... <laughs> which is just genius. it's delightfully ridiculous <laughs> and no one notices it's absolutely no I mean I think so what's happening is a common uh, the fantastic common is playing a, a peer of John Wicks he's an assassin um, and he's trying to kill me because I killed someone he was supposed he's taking care of and um, so we're going in through the subway you know and uh, and we start you know with silencers start shooting bullets at each other and as you say the you know people aren't noticing but I think that's kind of what the John Wick tone is. Mm-hmm. You know, like the criminals are actually like in this whole, they're almost not even seen by them. They're like in this separate hyper world. Yeah. It is. A, it's a quite a huge criminal society. We, we begin to see in this film, like I'm, I was genuinely asking Chad just now how the economy supports quite so many assassins because it's, it's... Well, they're all third party, you know, they're independent contractors. <laughs> there's no health and welfare, health mm. benefits. There's no retirement funds. They're just fighting for themselves. Yeah. There are so many. So, I mean, from the the flash mobs, there's a lot of work. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot there's of people lot, that need, lot of, you need to get done in. Spe- speaking of the the killings, Chan was saying that it was your idea to modify the Gianna hit into what it ultimately became, which is a fascinating sequence. Yeah. Where did that? How did that come into your head? Where did it come from? Um, 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 I think it was probably influenced from the first film, um, in the sense of having. Uh, um uh like the character Marcus when he kind of fights you know he says I'll go in my way I'll go out my own way sir and he kind of 
does this kind of kamikaze, um, you know, kind of push to be independent. So that I kind of carried into the, the Gianna character, this idea that she's, and she literally says, you know, I, you know, I, was, I do things my way. I'll go out my way. Um, so I think it was more influenced by the ethos of the characters in the world. Yeah. And John's like that in a weird way too, right? He's fighting for his independence. And anyway, so. You, you, you do get the, the impression from him sometimes that he's so grief-stricken, he would lie down and die if somebody would leave him alone long enough to do that. Yeah. But he won't lie down and die for anyone. Yeah, no, he wants, he wants, it, uh, he wants his agency. And I think he feels like he's earned it in some way. I mean, we don't really talk about that, but we certainly go into the idea that there's this John civilian character, grieving husband, and wants to retire and get on the life, and John Wick, the mythical assassin. Um, and I think in that um, Gianna scene, I think that's where you see pure John Wick. Yeah. Like, that's where you see Il Spectore, Baba Yega, you know, I mean, I think that guy is scary. <laughs> But, you know, he has a compassion. And, and I thought that was an interesting thing in that scene where she does commit, quote unquote, suicide. And I hold her hand as she's bleeding out in this Roman tub. But I have to shoot her in the head. It's John Wick. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you felt like that. Did yeah. you like, did you go like, of course he has to do that. It made sense. Yeah. I, I, was, I was still shocked. I got, I got yeah. it. But, it, but yeah, it's still shocking. He wouldn't have yeah. technically fulfilled the marker unless he'd done it. Exactly, but. man. <laughs> The marker idea was great. I mean, the gold coins was a level of texture in the first one. And this, this idea that this is almost sort of a classical analog world from the sort of 60s call centers to the sort of bloody thumbprints. Mm. I mean, it's, in, it's incredible texture. Yeah, it's a fun world to play in. And uh, um, yeah, definitely Chad Stahelski, the director, is, was influenced by 70s American um, action movies and also... Japanese Kurosawa and there's some um, what else is it? Sergio Leone, um, but I like all those kind of bits and bobs the the kind of the marker the gold coins the hotel the Continental that's like a safe haven for assassins and you know the nefarious kind. Mm. I mean I think that's what makes it fun mm. and I'm, I'm I, hopefully I'll get the chance to like you know we'll get the ex- chance to explore that more because I'm sure there's other bits and bobs. Yeah. It's it's really fun. It's a, a fascinating mix of really civilized society yes. and really uncivilized, super uncivilized. <laughs> yeah, which is delightful. Yeah. There are some fantastic exchanges in there, particularly the one with you and Peter Serafinovich and that almost pornographic sort of gun shopping scene. Oh, right, right, right. He's playing like, we think the sommelier and we yeah. think of wine and then he's like choosing weapons, helping mm. me have a tasting. <laughs> Excellent choice. <sir>. Excellent choice. <laughs> The, yeah, and it's fun. Just also, you know, the way you're kind of holding the guns in there, the way you're sort of looking them over and stuff, very convincing, obviously. Chad uh, talks about you as if you're essentially like a one-man SEAL Team 6 squad. <laughs> That's funny. And we've seen the video of you on the gun range. Oh, really? Okay. fucking terrifying. No. <laughs> no, it's target shooting. It's fun. <laughs> ping, ping, ping. Hit you steal. Take this a, a lot more seriously than I guess a lot of your contemporaries. I mean, you seem very. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I think I I love John Wick and I love action films and I love playing the role and I love that you know the director Chad is giving me the opportunity to do things that a, a lot of people don't get the chance to do. They don't have the filmmaker or the story or the tone that, of John Wick to to do all the judo and jujitsu and mix that with guns and then have some knives and then maybe use a garrote and then you know maybe hit someone with a car and. 
Am I forgetting anything? A pencil. <laughs> yeah. And then do a pencil yeah. fight. I mean, you could do anything with Wick. And, yeah. and for me, I really think of myself as being the limit. Like, Chad can go farther. He has his dreams, his concepts. Are, but it's only he can only do as much as I can do, you know? So I feel really responsible. Were there any sort of specifically logistically challenging sequences? I mean, in the first one, obviously, the red circle scene was amazing. And you were sick at the time when you had a fever. I mean, was there anything in this that was particularly difficult to pull off, apart from all of it? Um, yeah, I mean, the sequence with Common, the fight that they have on the streets of Rome, yeah. um, was really technical in the sense of the transitions of the jujitsu, having a pistol then having a knife and then wrestling with that and then doing a reload while you're, you know, fighting and um, the intensity of it um, and the moves. So yeah. Common was cool. I mean, he really committed to John Wick action because that's a whole other thing. And he was excited for that. So he put the hours in. And so I'd film for like 12 hours. He'd be, you know, training and then we'd go, he'd, you know, we'd train then too. And, and he came for like a month before we started filming. Um, so I'd say that sequence, um, you know, the stuff in the, in the uh, catacombs was pretty, because it's, it's just also kind of attrition, right? Cause you're, you're fighting 12 hours a day. And when you get to day five, you know, it's like, okay, more coffee, more coffee, eat more, eat, you know, yeah. ah, but I love it. I love when it's intense and. Um, they did put me in a car to crash into another car that I was a little surprised at. You know, I was like, really, Chad? He's like, yeah, just go. And so, like, drive backwards. It's that scene where he gets all hit by all those yeah. cars yeah. and he drives backwards and, and it's one shot. And you just see me like, blast into that guy. Oh, yeah, and the one where I go forward and hit that other guy. Um, I pulled the wheel off, the steering <laughs> wheel off the car when I hit that other car. The impact was so hard. Like, and I ripped the steering wheel off in my hand. It's fun. Is it wrong that in that sequence, like John getting punched, you don't even blink at every time that car got dinged. I was like, oh, God. Oh, the, yeah. poor the poor 69. It seemed like a metaphor for the entire thing. You know, <laughs> this is what revenge gets you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but also, you know, John Wick keeps getting hit. He gets hit by yeah. his car gets hit. He gets hit. He gets shot. He gets stabbed. He. Yeah. The house. The house. The house burning down. Gets blown through glass, I think, two or three yeah. times. Yeah. Jumps through glass. It's fun. You knock him down, but he gets back up, right? Yeah, but more bruises. More bruises, and but then you can go to you know Lawrence Fishburne at the Bowery yes. King's place, and then just have some surgery and wake up, and you're all good, you're to, all go. good to go. What was that like? Because yeah. obviously much was touted that as a kind of unofficial Matrix reunion. I mean, how did it come about that he was there? Um, Lawrence Fishburne and I are friends. I was at his place. We were catching up on life, as you do. And um, he mentioned that he loved, liked John Wick. And I was like, really? And he went, yes. And I was like, well, would you be interested in maybe doing something? He was like, send me a script. And so <laughs> I told Chad, hey, man, Lawrence is, wants to do this. And he's like, but he wants to read a script. Chad sent the script. Lawrence liked it. And then, you know, he came to play. And it was really a special day when he showed up. And mm. it, was, yeah. it was really something special. Because that whole sort of homeless network is a whole other level to the mythology. It's yes, it's another street level. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to open up the world. Yeah. yeah. I loved by the end of the film as well, you, you're, you're turning it into a whole kind of 70s paranoia thriller. You know, even, yeah, body some snatchers. Of those people, yeah, some of those people, it's just their phone is ringing, presumably, for yeah. an unrelated cause, but yeah. he can't be sure at that point. He can't be sure. It is. I mean, I, you know, Chad kind of thought about that. I mean, he really did think it was body snatchers and who's, who's real, who isn't. Mm. 
Um, and I like that he, uh, yeah, he's, I like that he's literally running for his life. Yeah. I love it. Because yeah. he's kind of becoming anti-establishment, isn't he? Right? Yeah. He broke the rules. I love that scene when John walks into the Continental and McShane, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan, just walk away, Jonathan, and then bang! Yeah. What have you done? What have you done? I love that! <laughs> I love it! It's just, what have you done? Their relationship is fascinating, yeah. the whole Winston-Jonathan thing. Yeah, it's kind of father-son-ish, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You have a real feeling that he would very much be in the ground were it not for Winston's forbearance. Yes, yes. And he he shows his power, right? Mm-hmm. With all those people who stop. and Because I deemed it so. I deemed it not to be so. One hour. I got, I got really... I was genuinely sitting thinking at that point, one hour. How do you get out of Manhattan in one hour? Escape from New York, time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we get to... Ch- I mean, I think that... I mean, on the first one, we didn't know that we would that the film would have such affection um, and that we would have the opportunity. But that being said, we still would talk about what could happen to John because we love the guy, we love the world. And so we did the same on the second one. In chapter two, we were like, so what could happen? You know? So I think, I think the first opening of the film should be Wick just trying to escape from New York. <laughs> like literally trying yeah. to get off the island. Yeah. You know, and maybe he asks the Bowery King for help. Mm-hmm. And we saw Aurelio, right? John Leguizamo. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, Leguizamo comes and helps me out. He's still trying to fix the car. Yeah. <laughs> he's fixing the car, but maybe he's fixing to help John. I can't help you, John. John, I can't do it. You're excommunicado. <laughs> Really, I got to get off the island. Yeah, it's not my. And then maybe the high table shows up. Yeah, we we were wondering, right? right? And then the high table starts firing guns. He's like, "What the fuck?" And then he's like, and then maybe this kind of thing starts to happen between the high table and Continental. Maybe John is the activator of this confrontation, and this perhaps there's a war. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. Because he's broken cool. two things. And he's killed someone on continental grounds, but that person yes. was a member of the high table. A member so. of the high table. So he's just fucked every which he's way. He's fucked. He's crazy. He's running. But maybe, because John is well-loved. It's kind of cool. It's like, yeah. he's even mythical and scared, but there's everyone kind of has an affection for yeah. the guy. I started writing down when I was watching it all the different nicknames he's given. You know, Baba Yaga, the El, Sp- El Spectro, El and Spector. the devil at one point. The devil. Simply, yeah. Yeah. Do you fear damnation, John? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Something I'd never seen before. I love the idea of having the the body armor sewn into his suit jacket, so he holds up the jacket. <laughs> oh yeah, to I hold stop up the, the jacket to stop the bullets. Yeah, that was a Reevesian invention. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fun because it allows you to do a lot of different things. But yeah. Because otherwise you're just assuming no, no one be can dead. shoot. Yeah. yeah, no one can shoot and you're, everyone's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, Chad really paid attention to that. I mean, if you ever geek out on the film and you look at where everyone's, the guns are pointing and where the, you know, the, the uh, bullet hits on the walls, yeah. they're all technically correct. Wow. So I think all he needs now is a stab-proof shirt. I know, right? Helpful. Like, why isn't yeah. he wearing a Kevlar shirt? Yeah, that was a mistake. Right. But you know, but, but you're boy. thinking right. <laughs> I mean, you're thinking correct. I'm just trying to you know go through the uh, possible problems here. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what else do I want to ask about? Did you have a favorite fight scene? 
Um, guns. I really liked the 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 um the the catacombs in Rome, Caracalla. Uh, fight scene. I gotta pick the Cassian fight scene. Yeah. You know, on the streets that just ends up landing in the Continental. Yeah. 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 Quite. Yeah. Quite lucky. Did you think? Do you think they were kind of aiming for the Continental? <laughs> I think maybe subliminally and unconsciously, because <laughs> I don't think Wick wants to kill the guy. Yeah. And I think there's something about Cassian that he has to kill him, right? As he says, you know how it works. Yeah. yeah eye for an eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. So oh, no, I also like that sequence too, where I disembowel the guy. <laughs> I thought that was cool because I do this cool kind of disengage with the shrug, come yeah. down, like come behind him, do it, disengage, and then rip that dude. Yeah. Yeah. And all the gore. Oh, the wait. Pencil fight. Pencil, pencil fight. fight. Pencil fight. We've been waiting to see how he kills a guy with a pencil. It's brutal. It's fun. <laughs> pencil fight. See, I can't just pick can't It's like ice cream. I can't. I want more. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, on that note. Well, on that note, I think we're out of time, Keanu Reeves. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Chester Halski, welcome to the Empire Podcast, to the Empire uh, John Wick 2 Spoiler Special Podcast. Great. I just want to hear you say my name one more time. Oh, you're killing me here. <laughs> Chad Stahelski? Good job. Oh, good man. First guy on the tour. Okay, good. Thank oh, you. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. So, uh, the thing I would like to start with is... The thing that sets John Wick uh, apart from me more than anything else is the mythology of it, the sort of otherworldliness of of all of that. How much of that, I suppose, did you have, on you and Derek have in your head when you came into the second film, and how much did you think, okay, we had some cool teasers in the first film, now we've really got to think, what does all that mean? I think the uh, the hardest part was definitely the first film. Uh, Derek had written the original script. It was a lot more grounded. Hmm. Uh, we still had the gold coins. The Continental was still there. I think that's why the first film has a tad bit more realism. We kept Mm -hmm. it a little bit more grounded because the script was originally you know, if this were to exist, the continent was more of a kind of a a a sleep easy in Los Angeles and the gold coin was a holdover from Cold War where you couldn't do denominations and uh, you know, we had the guy that, you know, uh, the, the Charlie character in the first one, David Patrick Kelly, the guy that comes and cleans up bodies, but it was very, very realistic. Um, almost similar, uh, very similar to like the Bourne films, more mm-hmm. ground, a lot more grounded. And we had decided that we had done so many of those movies in our day job, our second unit, our action directing. We'd always been, you know, saturated, grayed out, um, you know, uh, in an underogatory term, Nolanized, very, you know, trying to, everyone yeah. trying to mimic either the Bourne or the Dark Knight kind of thing. And uh, I had a big love of uh, Greek mythology, and Derek had already kind of. I mean, I, I just read it and went, oh, the palette's there. So it literally took uh, my partner, Dave Leach, and I maybe a conversation or two. Once we had sold the idea to, to Keanu and the producers, it was like maybe one or two meetings with Derek Cole said to go, like, look, sounds weird, but we're going to overlap Greek or Roman mythology and try to do this whole subtext or subworld. Um, that's why we did it in New York, because you felt subterranean even though you're on the streets and... I don't know if you've ever been in New York, but mm. you can go for days and not bump into anybody you know or anybody cares that you don't know. Um, so it kind of worked out really well. So once we had that and the first movie, people kind of dug. So it was like, okay, let's kind of recreate the mythology, but let's expand. And that was just a couple of trips to New York. And then from that part, it just became kind of open call. You know, we walked around, we saw a lot of the, the homeless, saw a lot of garbage trucks, saw a lot of street performers, you know, and we just... When you work in film, 
you're on the road a lot, especially in the States. Um, so we live in hotels all the time. I mean, it, it's not too much of a stretch that if you consider I've spent more than half my adult life on the road. Yeah. Concierge, hotels, the gym, the, the services in some of the higher and lower end, by the way, hotels just kind of came into our list. And that's kind of how we created the whole continental vibe. So was the sort of Greek and Roman mythology then the reason why you, you chose kind of the locations that you did here? I mean, term, in terms of going to Rome Mythic, and also yeah. the, this, a lot of the artwork work in the background was a lot of kind of Greek and Roman statues. Yes, I am a huge fan of uh, benefits of a classical education. Uh, <laughs> oh, loving you for quoting Die Hard. Yeah, tale of wasted youth. Um, no, uh, I spent a lot of time, classical art, classical music, um, I still have an affection for in a weird way. So rather than just do straight classical or straight art, we tried to mix and match, you know, contradictory images mm -hmm. with what's being said on screen. I don't know, like, we want to make a really fun action movie. It's a genre thing. We get how ridiculous a lot of it is. If you don't get it by the opening shot of Buster Keaton on the wall, yeah. we've heard a lot of reviews and like, well, it's not grounded, it's not real. <laughs> uh, I don't want to tell you guys. If you didn't get it, then <laughs> yes, it's a terrible movie. You'll never get it, okay? If you do get it, we wanted something that if you watch over and over again, you're going to pick little things up. And if you're a filmophile or if you're like us, like a big nerd, and you love Sergio Leone or love some of the great action films, 60s, 70s, if you go back and watch that thing, the dialogue, the way they hold the cut, the gun, like, you can't miss references to Steve McQueen, to Charles Bronson, to Asian cinema, to Japanese animation. I mean, there's so many references in there. It's like from The Matrix, from the, th you know, it's like... We try to make it fun, yeah. you know, and people were trying to take it too seriously again. It was hilarious. <laughs> I loved that opening, by the way. I yeah. loved it. So good. And yeah, we thought it was like, for people that hadn't seen the first movie, we didn't want any misconception. We didn't want you to waste a minute of time going, what the hell am I watching? So I figured I'd do some cool aerials, and I panned down, and the first shot is... Buster Keaton, sound effects, guy slides off a motorcycle, car comes around, we're playing almost like a Taylor Bates, my composer, did like, look, I just said, whenever the car's on screen, it's a shark. Whenever the motorcycle's on screen, it's a fish. A bump, 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 bump. <laughs> so like, I don't know, we all got it. All our friends got it. It's like, as soon as you see it, it's like, okay, I'm in for a wacky movie here. Okay, I'm relaxing. It's not real. And then people go, it's not real. No one would ever do that. I'm like, no, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but... You mentioned the, the homeless earlier on. I found the, the sort of Lawrence Fishburne mm -hmm. as kind of the head of that kind of almost homeless network. Mm -hmm. That was a really interesting idea. How does that, how do they, or how do you see them fitting into the world of the assassins? And the um, we just thought it made perfect sense. If you had to be, you know, human intelligence, you know, on the ground. When I was in New York, um, when we decided we we're going to do John Wick 2, I just flew to New York for a week and just walked. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I'm not from New York. So it was good to get vested again into the community. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of homeless-looking people there and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but more so than LA or any other bed to, they're completely invisible to the populace. And I was like, well, and I started thinking, if I had to be in the John Wick world, it's not a bad way to move around the city. Like, the cops don't care, nobody cares. So we're like, so now when pe hopefully you see the movie, and like, everywhere you walk, you look at the homeless guy, like, oh, he could be, could be John Wick, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, we just thought that was really interesting. So if you had to get around, you had to do thing. It was a whole subworld. So we figured if the Continental was the five star, or the rich assassins go. There had to be a low. There had to be the Motel Six. <laughs> so we figured that was Lawrence's people. And if you had to reinvent yourself, that'd be a good way to go. Yeah. And it's also a tribute to. I'm you know not gonna lie. It's a tribute to the Warriors, uh, a great early '80s movie mm. that Joel Silver did. I've 
come up with, uh, Joel Silver was a, a big help in my early career, you know, from The Matrix is on, giving me my first couple action directing jobs, so it was kind of a tribute to all the stuff he did. Wow. I've got to ask, actually, though, because it did occur to me about halfway through, uh, how many assassins can this world support? I mean, because it seems like it's a real growth industry. <sighs> yeah, no, I mean... You know, people, you know, I'm sure you guys will talk about the third act. People got a little like, oh, it's too much. Like, look, it's just people checking it out. You know, it was John Wick. He just killed, you know, more than 100 people. So Winston was just kind of laying down. It was probably everybody in the world was in Central Park for that. So I don't see, you know, less than 0.5% of the population, (laughs) I would hope. Um, But it's like that invasion of the body snatchers thing. You just don't know. You just don't know. And that's the thing. So, like, all the people in the final shot of the park and stuff, it's like, they're not all assassins. They're just like... It's like that Donald Sutherland, you know, body snatchers thing. You just, maybe this one, maybe that one, maybe the... You just don't know, and that's the whole... I like ambiguity. I don't, you know, we've been asked, or there's some people have been annoyed by, like, well, why are the gold coins? You didn't explain it. Like, I, you know what? I'm probably not going to. Mm. They're currency. You don't explain the dollar bill. We're not going to explain... Yeah, what is the exchange okay. rate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like services have a, you know, that's... It, yeah. It's more of a membership card. If you don't have a gold coin, that's an identifier. Yeah. Yeah. If you pay in gold, they know you're, it's okay. So, like, it serves two, two purposes. That was one of my questions, yeah. actually, so thank you. <laughs> we just kind of went back. If like, you know, we always approach it from a realistic point of view, even though it's completely absurd. We get it. But, you know, how would you do it? Like, you know, you don't have to go. I believe in seeing. Th- I love silent movies. And one of the best things you can do, um, and again, go watch a Spielberg movie. You can watch. And if you turn the volume down... I think he's a genius because you can see a lot of stuff going on and you know you turn down Raiders of the Lost Ark you still get it you really do the way he blocks the way he shoots so we were like visual storytelling Dave and I so it was just like gold coins you slide like you know that's an entrance level thing that's why there's always a shot of the coin you know by John he never talks on the phone he always hangs up on people he got it like (laughs) you got it the audience has seen this kind of movie so many times like you just want to stay ahead of him a little bit we didn't want to be predictable we didn't want to be anything like that and we like ambiguity where's John if we never did a John Wick 3 I like the ending of two. It's just, how else can this end? There's no happy ending. There's no, like, oh, he's going to kill everybody. And be, <laughs> like, that's a different... Those are other action movies. Yeah. We're just kind of like, uh, John's that wacky guy. It's kind of fascinating with him, because I feel like if if he died tomorrow, he wouldn't be too upset about it. You know, because he is... You John's know, got a little zen to him, yeah. But at the same time, he's not just going to lie down and let someone else kill him. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of... And I know he'll shoot me for this but there's a lot of Keanu in Wick I think one that's why the movie was whatever success it did have I think it it couldn't have been that way without Keanu playing John Wick um Keanu's uh he you probably hear this all the time he's a workhorse and like my day job is training cast members I mean we I think we have one of the largest stunt companies on the planet so we train everybody you know from the Marvel world the DC world the Bourne world everything and this guy just won't stay down. And he's got, Keanu's got this determination that is rare even in the stunt community. And, you know, for professional athletes, it's rare. He's, he has that, that I will not stay down. I will do this. He's the last one out of the gym. He just commits fully. And he has bad days like all of us. There's days he can't touch his toes. He's so sore, he's beat up, or he just has a bad day. But he won't quit. He'll just switch modes and go, okay, I'm here. What can I do that will improve me? And he listens, he's collaborative, like, he, he's a freak. He really is. <laughs> I don't know how he's still standing, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm brutal. <laughs> yeah, we saw the, uh, the, obviously went on YouTube, the video of him on the, the three-gun range, which is, yeah, no, frankly, um, a little bit terrifying. I, I don't think, I, most of the, sh- like, in John Wick, we, t- we, 
forgive me, but we, we call it porn. I like detail. So we have like judo porn, jujitsu porn, gun porn, car porn. Um, with the sommelier talking, those are real terms that, you know, a gunsmith wrote for us. When, uh, you know, we talk about cars, those are real terms that our mechanic department give it. When we do the judo jujitsu, those are real things. Just so the people that are in the, the genres are in the, you know, disciplines. Mm. You know, we want to impress them because it's so easy to phone it into movies. You got to remember, 95% of what most people know of a gunfight is learned from movies. And 100% of that 90% is probably bullshit. <laughs> so we kind of went to real tactical. Like, people run out of bullets all the time. You have to do mag changes. And it's not easy. The reason Hollywood doesn't do, you know, when they reload the gun, because it's difficult and it makes people look goofy. So the amount of time you have to go through that, it's not holding a gun. It's putting the fucking magazines in and aiming it and doing the thing and doing the flip. Keanu does every kind of reload imaginal. He's actually loading a shotgun in a shot with no cuts. Sounds fun, sounds easy. That's five months of shooting. I mean, the average guy can go in and maybe shoot 100 to 200 rounds a day at a range. Keanu was knocking off anywhere between 1,500 and 2,000 a day. So if you think about, we're training him like a uh, a, a tier one special force again in competition not to shoot people but in competition yeah. with shotguns with loads so we're like we just made the commitment like Keanu we're going to see everything so you might as well you know bring a lunch and we got this guy <laughs> Taron Butler who's like I, I forget what a four time world champ 14 time world champion he's freaky yeah. so it's just like okay this is where you're living and it's just like desert range up <laughs> up in mid California that's where Keanu stayed for about four months so what you're saying is when the zombie apocalypse comes, Keanu is the guy you want to be with. No, like when you see him on that video, like I, I try to competitively shoot too. And yeah. I, I train my ass off as much. It's just fun. I, I enjoy it. But when you see kind of doing what he's doing, that's not normal. That's full-blown competition mode. Like that's way beyond what a cast member. Like he actually, he's like, just make me a competitor. We got this thing at 8711 is our, our company. And it's just like the best way to fake being good is just to be good. So we just got the best jujitsu guys, judo guys, and gun guys, and we're just like, well, he's like, well, what's a choreography? And we're like, well, there ain't no choreography. You're just gonna get good, and then we'll talk choreography. So become an expert at this, become an expert at this. And that's how he spent most of the year before I started shooting, just all martial arts and all shooting, and driving. And it's not just the action that's stunning in the film. There's some beautiful shots, particularly the Gianna hit, you know, mm -hmm. in the bathtub. With the, yeah, where did that scene. idea come from? That was amazing. Um, funny story. We had it a couple different ways. It was in a mansion. It was in her house. Um, and just something was never feeling right. Like, I love uh, Bernardo Bertolucci. I like Tarkovsky. I like Sergio Leone. I like, you, can tell, um, you can tell by the movie. <laughs> Rip them off all the time. Um, I wanted to prove that you could make an action movie for a price and you didn't have to sacrifice how cool it is, you just needed commitment from the actors. So I think the action we felt good about. But I also had this little chip on my shoulders, like, look, I want to make a really pretty movie. And, you know, it makes, I love the early Bond movies. Mm -hmm. Where, you, you know, if I, being from the States, I, you know, I'd see him in St. Moritz and I'd be like, I want to go to St. Moritz, I want to go to Switzerland, I want to go to the Alps, I want to go to Bahamas. So I just want to do that with people, show people this magical world. And again, coming with the Wachowskis, visualization, every detail of how you paint the picture of the world is super important. But you can't do that with swishy cam and, and all that. So we try to do it like that. So anyways, our initial idea for the Gianna thing was in this mansion. It was through the rooms. And it was like, how many times have you seen somebody in a room? We're like, ah. We always knew we wanted this kind of weird. She had to leave the party and maybe it was in a bath. Because I love, if you watch the movie, I have this apparently fetish with mirrors. Sure. Um, I love mirrors, and I got the the last. Uh, Enter the dragon. Enter the dragon, yeah. and uh, what is it? The um, last tango in Paris. Yeah. 
uh, the Bertolucci film with. Um, See, I was going to say Conan the Destroyer. So you're just operating yeah, slightly higher. Probably a little bit higher palette. <laughs> um, they did this great shot where they did um, him talking to the girl, and it was all done in the mirror. Yeah. So you didn't have to do a reverse, and I thought that was fucking cool. So that's why we had those big mirrors in the Gianna scene. But anyways, it wasn't since so Keanu was down in our office the other day, and he's like, he <laughs> he just got done working out, and I'm just sitting there, we're a little burnt. It's been a lot of jujitsu that day. <laughs> and he goes, look. And we started talking. He's like, look, I see it. Like, I got a great, I got an, I got an idea. It's fucking a little wacky. It's a little wacky. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to kill Diana. All right, well, you, you got to. That's the way it is. He's like, no, she's going to slit her wrist. We're going to do it in this bathhouse. I picture she gets bashed. She's going to strip. It's going to be this confusing. We're going to kind of put this tension in. And he talked me through it. And I was like, ooh, yeah, all right. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, it's a little creepy. And it just, I literally, he left after we had talked about it. And that's all I couldn't get out of my head. Then we started sketching. We started doing stuff. I'm like, call my production designer. It's like, bear with me on this. <laughs> and we talked it through. And then um, we thought it was great. It was just fit the Wick world. It might have been a little hardcore anywhere else. But, like, that's just the way these people live. And I thought it was a good way to show another side of mythology. Like, everybody in our world holds true to this. John, Santino, Julian. Like, that's what I keep saying it's supposed to be a whole world with its own set of rules and we thought that really fit cut to Kevin Cavanaugh my production designer um, who embraced this movie like no one him and Dan Lawson they're just like we're going to paint a picture which I think they did um, he found this beautiful beautiful uh, set of ruins in Rome right in the heart of Rome and he's like I'm going to build you a big ass bathtub and this is going to be awesome we're going to do it's like Barry Lyndon we're going to do all candles and we're going to do these two big mirrors. And, like, um, so between Keanu coming up with it, me and uh, my creative team sketching it and drawing it out, it kind of all came together. And then we had Claudia Journey, who's, like, the only woman I think could have pulled that one off. Uh, yeah, she was great. Yeah. She was fierce. It was incredible. Mm. Uh, speaking of the actresses in the film, I thought uh, Ruby Rose's Aries was really interesting. Where did the, the sort of sign language idea come from? It. I always knew I wanted to do sign language. It's yeah. like, you know, our kooky subtitles and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, again, we tried to be absurd. Like, you could go down the, the Tarantino route, like in Glorious Bassett, like the guy could speak three languages in a scene. Okay, we kind of did that already, so we're going to do that. I don't think I've ever seen sign language in a cool, in a hip action movie. And we actually have a friend, um, uh, you know, a friend of a friend kind of thing, who's deaf. Mm. So we didn't want... Um, I did not want somebody born that way. I wanted to say, like, you know, Aries, she got shot in the throat. She couldn't communicate. She can hear, but she couldn't, you know, just sign language made sense. And I talked to uh, talked to this guy, and he did. And I was like, just, you know, if you had to, like, curse me out, what would you do? And some of the sign language was, like, awesome. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that looks really, like, you could tell it's angry. And then, you know, we talk with, I mean, most people talk with their hands anyway, so I thought it was interesting. Um, and, I mean... Aries was always written as a very small part. It could have been a stunt woman or just a badass, <clears throat> you know, uh, action actor kind of thing. And we had just seen it. Kingsman had come out right after we did on the first one. We had seen Sophia Botel, razor blades on her feet and all mm. that stuff. And like, well, and you could tell some of the lines they give, not in that movie, but in some of the lines they give those people. It's a guy over the guy or the girl over the bad guy's shoulder. It's got to be a sexy line. It's got to be something kind of silly. It's gonna, and we're like, yeah. So I sat down with Ruby, and we had just kind of offered the job. I love to work as Orange in the New Black, and her career is just starting to take off. I sat her down in my office like, bear with me. 
because I don't think she had seen the first movie when she came in. She just heard like, yeah, it's really cool. It's John Wick. The director is this stunt guy. And I think that's all she knew. So I hit her like, look, I got this idea. I'm going to take away all your dialogue. And it was not taken well. Um, she had the look of what the fuck on her face. And I was like, look, you could be just another girl saying the quippy line, saying trying to be sexy, trying to say this, or giving shit to John. And it's always going to fall false, I think. But why don't you do sign language and you'll be the first action actor or actress to do sign language. You can kind of flip them off. You can just... Everything, like She has great face. She has great eyes, I think. So she's got that little... And she always looks a little pissed, you know? And she looks like... She's just got... Not yeah. that she is, but she's got that cool look. And... Ruby, when she talks, she's very expressive, you know, with her face. So I, that's what kind of set it off, just talking to her. And uh, at the end of the day, to her credit, she trusted me enough to, to try it. And I, I don't know. I like it. I think people thought it was kind of cool. Something different mm. made her stand out. Yeah. Um, just on that point, I mean, do you, do you have a sort of canonical number of languages that John speaks? Or is that likely to increase in number three? I think it would be funny if at some point he didn't know one. <laughs> Not to set anything up, but I think that might be... An interesting gag somewhere in the future. Well, Spoiler. I mean, where, where, if we can ask, do you see the story going from here? In terms of, I mean, narratively, but also geographically. Do you, have you already thought where this is going to end up? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I believe in circular things. But you have to cover a lot of distances. Um, we'd like to expand the world just a little bit more, but then not just expand. I'd say if we were so lucky as to continue the, the series, we'd... Um, I'd like to expand the world maybe another 25%, but then I'd like to go deeper into the world that most people already know, another 50%. So you can yeah. see where we would end up. Because we still don't know exactly what the sort of impossible task was mm -hmm. that he was set. I'll leave doing. that to maybe the TV show or something like that. Is that going to go ahead? Because obviously uh, that got bandied around when you mentioned it. The studio is, is tossing it about right now. I think it'd be... Uh, my pitch was what happens to John Wick in the five years before he retired and the five years when he retires. Okay. That would give him plenty, like a, a plebeian's introduction to, to the world. Yeah. So the season three finale ending with him killing the guy with a pencil. Pretty much. Yeah. I like pencils. <laughs> yeah. The scene in that was particularly cool. I love the the variance to the opponents, where you had the busker and then the big guy. He kills the guy with the pencil. It's there's a real texture to the different fights. Yeah. It's pretty much just a, a stack of notebooks like this from like 15 years of stunt coordinating of being frustrated and not. The funny thing is, all the gun for the people we. That's not new for us. Like, tactical gun work has been around for decades. And because of some of us go out and shoot for fun um, or for, you know, the zen, the zenness of, you know, it's just a, I look at it as a sport and another discipline that you should be good at for film or something. So we were around that stuff for a long time. And constantly, every job we were called to design, we tried to sell it to the director of the studio, or the, the creative elements of the thing. Nobody liked it. They thought it was ridiculous. They thought it was this. this. I mean, not not to spitefully shoot back. It's just, it's just, it's not really ours. It's just what operators or people in those worlds do. Mm. It's how they shoot. Like people think we came up with a headshot. I mean, I don't know where or when nobody shoots from the hip. <laughs> you know, and they don't do the one-handed John Woo thing. I mean, every special forces guy or cop out there shoots like or. John Wick shoots or tries to imitate what they do. Mm -hmm. So we tried to get that in film for years, and it's like, well, this isn't a military film. We shouldn't. I'm like, but it's really cool, and we can do this jiu-jitsu. And we, we mix the jiu-jitsu and the judo and the martial arts with it, of course. But, like, uh, yeah, no one was buying. So when we got time to do our movie, we're like, 
we just thought it was easy. Like, we've already been choreographing this stuff for three years. We've got stacks of video. Let's just train Keanu and do it. And he goes, oh, ja, gun fu, gun fu. We were like, ah, <laughs> oh. it was pretty funny. It, it's the little moments, though, I think, that work yeah. so well. I mean, my favorite sort of sequence mm-hmm. of film is when he and Cassian are walking along, just taking pot shots at each other, and no one notices. A silent gunfight. Yeah, yeah, that's a big laugh. We thought that was funny. It was awesome. I, yeah. I just loved, I, I love the elegance of his movements, just the, the little flicker upwards to the headshot, yep. even after he's shot the chest, mm-hmm. they're down, but just to make sure. I'm a, and this is, everybody calls me on this one, but like, I'm a huge fan of musicals. I, I grew up, like, I'll watch Sound of Music, I don't give a shit, you know, <laughs> like, I love La La Land, I think it's the best fucking movie of the year. Yeah. Sorry, can I say those words? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, no, I, I think La La Land's great, like, musical show, like, you, I, I'll watch Singing in the Rain all day, old Danny Kaye stuff, you know the technical prowess they had to have with those giraffe cranes coming around and doing those masters? It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. You go watch the Kung Fu Hustle. I thought that movie was genius. You know, it's not so much that. I just appreciate live performances. I, I always like going to stage uh, performances or musicals or anything like that just to watch the elements. There's no place to hide. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where you sit in the audience. Uh, early on, I got into martial art choreography. I was studying the Hong Kong guys. And um, literally, um, and it was from Jackie Chan scene, like, Go watch dance, more like dance. I'm like, okay, I'll go watch a lot of that. And kind of get into it that way. Um, but that's what we were very conscious of that. Uh, Dave and I on the first one, and then myself and my stunt team on the second one. It's basically, we're, I, I, I don't want to reach and say it's a musical, but it was meant to be a live performance based on dance. So when Keanu, like, in the museum fight, it's, um, I don't know if you noticed, it's classical music, it's Vivaldi. Um, if you know anything about classical, it's from his Four Seasons. It's like what we did is uh, had the composer rip out the percussion, and we timed the gunshots early in prep oh, to wow. the percussion. So when John's going, bump, 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 and so John's gun becomes a percussion in the sound. That's I know no one will pick it up, but it, for us it was a challenge because <laughs> it's not that easy to do. The composer's like, well, you know what you have to do. You'd have to choreograph it, and you'd have to edit, and your edit would have to be locked. To the, like, you couldn't change. I mean, with music editors, you have a small variance in there, yeah. but basically, the song, I mean, the music is the music, the composition. You can cut measures. You can kind of, you know, change the, the tempo a little bit, but you're pretty locked in. And we're like, yeah, fuck it. We got nothing else to do. Let's give it a go. You know, like, well, let's challenge ourselves. And if somebody does pick it up, it'll be those two guys that go, holy shit, that's Vivaldi. That's, that's the guns, the percussion. Like, oh, okay, cool. Well, thank you very much. That has been sure. absolutely fascinating. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, yeah. Lovely. How was Keanu? He was oh, so good. He was delightful, wasn't he? He was very animated. I think highly caffeinated. Uh, but yeah, he was punching the air and duding and did alarming impressions of both uh, John Linguizamo and uh, <laughs> and also Lance Fishman. Uh, but and then acted out the whole of John Wick three, which was which was a pleasant. Surprise. What he wants yeah. John Wick three to be, or what he knows John Wick three is going to be. A little bit of both, yeah. I suspect. Yeah. It seemed to be. Wouldn't it be great if this happened and then this happened and you know. Yeah, wouldn't it? So John Week 3 is probably going to happen now because it did pretty well the mm. US box office of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, the first movie did, this is weird if you look at this, the first movie only did about $85 million mm. worldwide. Just enough, and just enough of a cult hit, and it wasn't that big a budget, to get a uh, to get a sequel greenlit. And now the sequels might do $100 million in the States. Might. Depends on the legs, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly increasing... Maybe probably double what the first movie did. Mm. So hopefully we will get a John Wick Chapter 3 because as we're going to discuss, there's a lot 
of interesting stuff perhaps to come. Um, and I loved the ending of this movie. But just to just to go back very very quickly to Keanu, uh, I think he's so animated on these press junkets because I've seen a few interviews now with him where he's talking about John Wick Chapter mm. Two because he's found a character he loves. Mm. To yeah, play. I think he, yeah, I think that I think it's that. I think he he knows he's on something good yeah. and he's actually having a really nice time as a result. Yeah. Um I mean he does seem like a, a strangely zen individual anyway. I feel like he finds the, you know, he finds his sort of center in in even bad situations, but but he is definitely having a good time right now and, and some of that has got to be just confidence in the film. Um and presumably some of that is the knowledge that he could quite easily kill anyone who dislikes the film because we've seen the training he went through for this and uh, and he's ferocious so yeah 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 gives you an extra edge i love his sort of his approach to uh, and james you've done martial arts i don't know whether the whether the 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 method that john wick has for stab shooting people in the face he has this really interesting thing and obviously this is a podcast you're not going to see what I'm doing but he he holds the gun very very close to himself he brings his arm in and he almost uses it stabs it forward as he's shooting people two or three times uh it's a very compact way of, of he's, of he's also got a, a, it's really delicate you can see it a couple of times in the Rome sequence and you can see it in the museum towards the end there's a really delicate little flicker of the gun upwards for the headshot so he'll shoot them once or twice in the chest and then just mm. flicker the gun just slightly up mm. to That's put them out an incredible efficiency of movement mm. in the way he does everything but I mean if you see the, the I mean when I was actually when I was on set it's all coming back to me now I do remember uh, <laughs> alright Celine set, yeah the, uh, the stunt coordinator came out to me he's like dude come and have a look at this and he showed me his phone uh, and he had on his phone the footage of Keanu Reeves on the gun range which since then has actually actually gone on YouTube uh, and he was like seriously watch this guy and you just watch him rampaging through that range you know with the shotgun and the assault and just gunning them down never missing you know it's it's very very impressive and I, I know whenever you cover an action film they always talk about how amazing their star is at everything but he was like literally I can't tell you how many hundreds of people we train everyone we train everyone on like you know Bourne, Avengers everything they train all these people and they said there is no one quite like Keanu Reeves like he's a natural at it like he could compete yeah. at this stuff um, so yeah I think he mastered it just for me the, the sequence when he's uh, doing his sort of gun porn sommelier sequence with Peter Serafinovich just the way he kind of he held it and he tilts it and he turns it and he locks it into his shoulder and then he flips up the side side and it's just so precise yeah um, it's basically erotic yes it is. It's um, it's weirdly so. <laughs> yeah. um, what, did, what what were you on set for? Uh, I was on set for the finale, actually. The uh, which really is not the, the the flash mob, but the um, the sort of hall of mirrors sequence. Okay. So which is the art installation where he has his uh, his his sort of showdown with Ares, uh, where he's pursuing Santino. And it, I mean, it, <laughs> the biggest challenge with that is it's mirrored surfaces everywhere. So you were talking, mm. I, we're discussing there are no effect shots in this. Every frame, yeah, yeah, every frame of that is obviously an effect shot because they had to take the camera out. But, but as you said, they're very subtle ones. Yeah, some I think some of it's framing, so they just managed to avoid the camera yeah. as far as possible. Um, but I was looking because so I basically spent last week before going to see this at a VFX festival and talking to VFX artists mm. and everything else. So I was quite attuned going into it as far as I can be as a non-expert. And there is a very comparatively very short VFX block of credits at the end of this film, and. Um, I think basically what they did was they added splatter. Yeah. They removed reflections. And and 
almost, I think, that's it. I yeah, think it's there's very, very little else, mm. yeah. There's probably a little bit of it, it probably extending of, of scenery and stuff. Yeah, and, and the, the only other thing that I... I think there might be two scenes that are rotoscoped. I don't think they had Kenny Reeves actually walking up across the Piazza Navona. Mm. Uh, that looked a bit odd. Um, but the only other thing I was wondering about when I saw it for a second time is the scene where he's in the car, the car foo bit at the beginning. Uh, now, we know from Keanu that he was in the scene where he backs into another yeah. car. But that was him driving. When he gets physically knocked yeah. out of the car, that can't be no, him. because that's an insurance nightmare right there. Yeah. So that presume, But I couldn't... I didn't get to look at it closely enough and long enough to establish if that's Keanu or a stuntman or a CG stuntman or what. That sequence in particular I really like because like the first film and we talked a bit about this last night in the live podcast but the first film has a sort of a serious edge but with an otherworldly layer beneath it but it doesn't you know it's not what I would call hugely tongue in cheek there's a little bit of that in there whereas this one I mean that whole prologue is pure farce Yeah. and just Peter Stormaro when he's like he kills the guy with the pencil who fucking does that you know it's just like <laughs> it's hilarious pencil <laughs> it's just oh, it's genius it is absolute I mean, genius and, and you know as as uh, Chad pointed out the the sort of the double bluff with the sound effects at the beginning and the yeah. film projected on the wall that sets up what you're seeing actually it, it's basically a Buster Keaton movie you mm. know it's uh, it's it's that level of fluency with no. real stunt work that they're it, yeah. paying tribute to as I've said in the podcast before I, I am a bit of a late breaking John Wick convert uh, I took a second viewing of the movie the first movie for me to really Really, uh, tap into its charms uh, but I love this movie from the off and I bought into the ridiculousness of it from the off and the fact that uh, the the opening sequence involves a bunch of people trying to kill each other with cars and you're going why don't you and then, and then about five minutes into it John Wick remembers he has a gun mm. and he just kills some dudes with a gun and you're going what okay I, it's that sort of movie it's the sort of movie where you will you will use a car Instead of a gun, because it's cooler and it's more fun and it's car foo and that's interesting. Okay, I'm on board. And the and the sort of weird otherworldliness of it is really doubled down in this movie. And mm. uh, I was I was very much on board right from the off. And the Peter Storm uh, Stormari uh, cameo. Uh, not only is the first of the movies rather lovely Keanu Reeves reunions because of course they had that incredible scene in Constantine yes they did uh, where Peter Stamari would play, plays Satan uh, that was just really really nice to me to see those two guys reunited um, and also because he, he lives to fight another day potentially yeah, mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that um, should we take some questions yeah, yeah. Can I have a question first of all Okay. It's about the gold coins. Now, mm. we tried to get mm. Chad to answer this, <laughs> and he sort of hand-waved it, and that's fine, that's his right. Um, but it is, it is really interesting to me, because the gold coin is both a sort of a membership card yes. and an actual unit of currency. Like, you definitely pay more gold coins for a complete map of the catacombs underneath your targets than you do for a drink at the bar, right? So there is an element of currency there. We know that one is worth more than the other. But a gold coin for two drinks at a bar, and they're not expensive drinks as far as we know. I mean, a gin and tonic, unless it's a super expensive gin. It is Rome. It is Rome, that's true. Um, But it's not Iceland, you know. So (laughs) that seems like either Common is a super generous tipper Mm. or there's a little bit of sort of... But what are the exchange rates like post-Brexit? 
We don't know this. We don't know that. That yeah. is true. Yeah. The price of <laughs> gold coins in the in the John Wick world may have plummeted. I feel like somebody's doctoral thesis has gotten off to a really good start with that. Um, but no, I, I do think I wondered if there was an element of. You know, your gold coin is basically your your pass card, and then they they figure out an amount and charge it to your account. Or if y- your gold coin is that's your gold coin, and that's gone. Maybe anyway. each gold coin is slightly different. Maybe we don't we don't, we don't see it, but uh, maybe, maybe yeah, each gold maybe coin is denominational. Yeah, mm. yeah, that could it could be true. Could be true. And we do see that they're beautifully made by that dude who meets Ian Mc, Ian McShane yeah. on the rooftop where um, Daredevil's foes hung out. Oh really? In Daredevil, do you remember? Same rooftop. Did not know First, well, yeah, um, well, it's opposite St Patrick's Cathedral, isn't it, on Fifth Avenue in New York? I, I love the way you act as if I'm completely au fait with the topography of New York. Yes, Helen. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm I know pr- it I'm well. Sure. I spend my lunch hours there. Well, isn't the Continental? It's not the flat iron building, but it, I'm pretty sure there's a similar building in Daredevil at some point. It's you get, mm. you get buildings like that all the way through yeah. New York. Initially, I thought it was a flat iron building at one point, no, uh, but I don't it's, think not, so, it's no. not. It's not. The, the whole idea of the Continental and that subculture—it's, I mean, it's it's not original in the. And we talked about this. It feels very vampiric. Mm. You know, it has that with the High Council and this sort of other. It feels like it's got an urban fantasy vibe to it, but it's hitmen yeah. instead of supernatural creatures, which is a really really nice spin. Uh, but I love that they've thought so much of it through and and just. Weirdly, I mean, we do a lot of these spoiler interviews, but Stahelski was fascinating. He about, was fascinating. I mean, just the amount of detail, and especially the uh, when we were talking about the music, the way that they cut the percussion out of Vivaldi and they use the gunshots to fulfil the percussion in the musical piece, so it's all timed. So that's a whole other level of choreography. So you're not just choreographing the action, you're then cutting it to music mm. precisely and acting it out to music precisely. There was an element of that in the first one in the nightclub, right? It was yeah, a similar sort of thing, but it's, it's developed a bit more. Yeah, that's yeah. like trance music. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the expansion of the uh, Continental and the High Table and all the otherworldly mythology of the movie, really for me, sets this movie apart from all the other Jerry action movies if we're going to lump Keanu Reeves in with the likes of Liam Neeson and Kevin Costner it it seems wrong because he looks about 60 years younger than them he looks 12 but there's uh, there's that picture of me Helen and Keanu yeah get that in there and he looks by far the youngest person yeah he does yeah it's really depressing it really is but it does set it apart and you know when you when I first heard that John Wick was going to Rome you just have this horrible feeling you know Taken 2 went to Istanbul it was just (laughs) awful and movies that take their their heroes on holiday not that he's on holiday Um, uh, it's a busman's <laughs> holiday, if if, if that. Uh, just don't work. But uh, This was more Mission Impossible 3 than Zoolander 2, precisely. though, in terms of visits to Rome, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and I think it actually uh, shared a lot of the uh, same locations as mm. Zoolander 2, actually, if you look at it closely. Um, but it uses them much better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have one question from uh, at D to Ren, Darren, I guess. Uh, don't you think they've made John stupid in regards to him breaking rules? He wasn't that reckless in number one. I think he's been through quite a lot. Yeah. I think he's entitled. Yeah. I mean, the guy blew up his house. I think it's entirely well, the whole fair that he's about, in the face. He breaks a rule right away. Yeah. yeah. He breaks lots of rules. I mean, not, he's, I mean he kills but, two members of the high table in this film, so... Yeah, they've got to be coming after him. I think, I think uh, the, the first rule he breaks, not accepting the marker makes sense absolute sense within him and then everything else flows from that so maybe you know it's it makes sense I I've, I, kind of said this in the Keanu Reeves interview but I genuinely think it's true I think if everybody left him alone there is a good chance this guy would lie down and die like he's so depressed at the beginning of the first film um, he just seems to have no particular lust for life left um, the dog helps but the then, dog helps yeah. the dog does help yeah but then 
if people keep coming and trying to kill him, he mm. seems constitutionally incapable of lying down and dying, yeah. and he will keep killing them all. See, it feels to me like it's muscle memory. Do you know what I mean? Like him being a killer <laughs> is so ingrained in that as a person he's moved on, but when they come at him, he just switches on. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. About it. There's, there's a really interesting moment. I've only seen the film once. You've seen it twice. You've seen it twice. Yeah. Okay. So the moment when he rejects Santino's marker, yeah, he knows full well that that is going to end in his death. Uh, I think the moment where he's in his house looking at the picture of, of him and his wife, uh, or maybe it's just his wife, again, I've only mm. seen it once. It's don't, both. Don't yell at me, it's both, okay. Uh, I think he's expecting to die in that moment. And when he gets blown out of his house by the explosion, I think then you're right. I think then the muscle memory, the kind of, all oh, right, okay, I didn't enjoy that. I was just expecting to die very quickly, and now it's on. Um <laughs> But I, th- I think it, I think you're right. I think it's about I think it's about a man who who wants to die, but then won't let himself die when the chips are down. So, uh, killing Santino at the end of the movie in the Continental is absolutely a death sentence, and he wants it. But then, as part of him, he goes, "No, you can't kill death. I am death." <laughs> yes, I, I actually started writing down all the things that people call him. So obviously, Baba Yaga, yeah. the sort of the boogeyman, um, Los Petro. The ghost. Uh, someone calls him death's very emissary, the devil, and someone's refer- someone refers to blowing up the priest's temple. I need a better job title. I know. Seriously, these are really good. Uh, I I'm not 100 percent sure I agree with you on Santino because I think he still hopes that whatever friendship or whatever allegiance alliance they had that m- led him to give him the marker still sort of holds that there's some kind of fellow feeling there. At least for a moment, I think he hopes that. Uh, but then the guy's fairly point. shifty. I don't think when Winston says to him, why would you give a marker to a man like that? Yeah. You know, so he's obviously a really bad dude. But then so was John, so maybe... Yeah. And I like the idea that it ties him that he helped him in some way with that impossible mm. task, which is what got him out in the first place. I like the way they tied it together. Yeah, I, I thought, thought that was a nice Yeah, that was really good. But the idea about breaking rules, I think, goes back to John got out. He got out in the mm. first place, and clearly he broke some rules, and they overlooked it. In order to get out. out. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, I just want to say something else about the marker scene, which is a bit irrelevant, but it really struck me during this film. Something about the marker scene made me think if they are set on making a film adaptation of Sandman, which they persist in trying to do, I am now pretty much convinced that the only person who should be allowed to play him is Keanu Reeves. Something about that scene, if you've read Sandman, that's the dude that we need. Um, So while... Tom Hilson in Only Lovers Left Alive looks, acts and sounds exactly like Sandman. Keanu Reeves, I think, is Sandman and sh- no one else should be allowed to play him. Anyway, that <laughs> was just a little, okay, little aside digression. brought to okay. you from me. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the, the film then barrels through fairly quickly to, to Rome and mm. it has that, that really interesting, weird scene uh, in the baths, um, which BBFC have have cut yes. some some seconds from Paul Keanu's idea, as we know from the interview, mm. the suicide, mm. yeah, um, and then it barrels through all the different fights and all the different uh, relationships, relationship with uh, with Cassian, and and he has that brilliant almost computer game grammar to it when he goes mm. back, and it's just like it's like mini boss after mini boss, mm. it's like the huge fat guy and the busker, and you do feel it's relentless. It is relentless. Yeah, uh, I yeah. thought that was genius. It's it's also it, it it's something I've been saying for years. You can make a great video game movie if you don't bother making a game first. Yeah. Um, because the, is that, that is that is the logic of this, but it yeah. it doesn't have any of the you know nonsense that you get in video game movies. Yeah. Which leads to what I feel is probably my favourite ending of uh, an American action movie in the last five, ten years. 
which is John on the run making that decision in the Continental mm. to end Santino's bullshit once and for all uh, punch his ticket yeah. knowing the consequences that will come to him uh, and it sets up I usually have a problem with sequels that set up other sequels but in this case I'm on board because yeah. I think the ending of this is fascinating John Wick the world's greatest hitman on the run from everyone on the run from everybody else paranoid not knowing who to trust with the possible exception of Ian McShane John Leguizamo who you can finally hope gets something to do <laughs> in John Wick Chapter 3 and of course Lance Reddick it, it's it, yeah it's it's an interesting one especially because Stahelski was saying that if they didn't get a third one he'd be happy for it to end like that he think that's you can never have a happy ending that could yeah. be yeah. for me this ending. is a really good it's really cool. ending it's yeah. a, do you know what's interesting to me that I had a, a radically different reaction to that ending the first and second time so the first time I saw it when John says to McShane or um, Winston uh, you know tell them I'll kill them all whoever comes for me I will kill them all and he goes yeah of course you will I read that the first time as John being a little desperate and McShane going, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, good luck with that, right? And being a little bit patronizing. The second time I saw it, I saw, you know, what Stormari called the sheer fucking will uh, of of John Wick. And I, I thought, yeah, he is going to kill them all. And I thought Ian McShane was cheering him yeah, on. He knows it. And yeah. and I don't know, I, 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 I had ge- genuinely a completely different reading of that scene both times. And I'm kind of interested to see yeah, what if, other people think it of it. It felt to me like a promise, not a threat. Like mm. It was very much, this is a statement of fact, I will kill them all. And he's like, yes, you will. Despite the um, fact that he is in the state that he's in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, he's is in fact the one thing if I were to pick up one thing about the film that bugged me and that's that McShane has a really clumsy line where he says there are only two rules you don't kill people on the continental and you don't break a mark and I thought that was unnecessary do you know what I mean we get it we don't need it spelled out it felt like a little bit of a clumsy bit of spoon feeding there which I think we could have lived with. I think we but definitely needed the continental ground scene because we know that from the we first know that film. from the first one we needed mm. spelled out again and because of what happens to uh, Adrian Palicki's character in the first movie mm. the minute John does that I was fearing the worst at the end of the movie. I honestly was. You know, uh, I thought this is going to be this is going to be a Get Carter ending, Um, (laughs) but it's it sets it up really, really rather nicely. I think I'm fascinated to see if there is a chapter three where where it can go from here. Um, The idea of just a a guy on the run, paranoid, is is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Killing everyone, and it's worth pointing out that the body count in this film is literally more than double the body count the first one. The first film is the official body count that on YouTube is like 76, but Stahelski mm-hmm. told me it's actually about 82 because they didn't count the guys who died in the SUVs. Uh, but <laughs> this one, it's well over 170. I mean, it's it's about 176. I can't remember. Which, the, of course, we're not condoning. We're not no, condoning. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely condoning. <laughs> Murder the, uh, is bad, kids. The, yes, don't do it. There's an infographic out there, and it's, I mean, it's epic. So uh, the next the next film I can only imagine I think the box office directly proportional to the body count at this point <laughs> I, I loved all the action scenes in this movie I thought the first one in the Rome catacombs one where he's just assailed by assaulted by uh, just an endless ray of disposable henchmen that went on a little long for yes, me yes it did but everything else I thought was fantastic and the movie under has an underlying sense of mordant humour which I really really like the, yeah. I loved yeah. it it's really so funny. when when he and Common are sniping at each other in, yes. the, in the crowded subway corridor there is an announcement over the tannoy um, to please report any suspicious activity, which I just thought is genius. genius. <laughs> yeah, there's so many little touches. And, you know, we, we haven't mentioned this, but but Ruby Rose is fantastic as Ares. And I really, I really liked... 
the fact that she didn't speak, that she, well, she isn't deaf, but that she signs. Uh, I know uh, our editor Terry, she was not a fan of that, that the female character had literally had her voice taken away. But I, I think it's different. I think it is, as Stahelski said, something you haven't seen before. And it enabled them to do more of those really funky subtitles they love so much. <laughs> so if only for that, let's have more of that. Okay, so we talked about the ending of the movie, which we all agree is excellent. We've talked about yes. the film's sense of humour. Very, very good. And I think without that sense of humour, the movie would just be really dour and really hard to take. Let's talk about some of the other characters as well. Because John Wick dominates, doesn't he? And we'll talk also about the uh, some of your favourite action sequences. Let's start with the action sequences. What was your favourite bang, bang, shoot him up, shoot him up, bang, 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 people die type thing? Ooh. Um, Technical term. That yeah, very very technical. I, I think it might be the catacombs for me, the sort of escape from the catacombs. Oh, see, that's the one I think goes on a bit too long. See, I quite I like it. I I was I was there for it. I, I just wonder where everyone was coming from. It's just an endless array of disposable henchmen. You know, like, you know just go on, lie down, son. Yeah, unlike know. all the other sequences, well, no. which of course. <laughs> but I did like the fact that he was prepared for it. Yes. And he knew Double Cross was coming and they're setting up the guns and placing them along the routes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, what I, cool. that's what I enjoyed, actually. That was nice. It's, it felt a little bit like Operation Wolf, the sort of 80s uh, arcade <laughs> game where you're just shooting <laughs> random thugs as they jump out from behind walls. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 it was really well done. But I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it's the only one where I felt my attention ever so slightly mm. drift. Uh, but then obviously it's made up for because you go straight from that into his kind of running fight with Cassian, which is fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, I very much enjoyed that. Weirdly, when I was watching it, my favourite sequence was the kind of the, the, the silent pot shots. That, that was, was, that was fun, my favourite yeah. bit because it was just loads of fun. But now, having been told that it was cut to Vivaldi, my favourite is absolutely <laughs> the bit in the museum at the end because that's just genius. Yeah. It's, that's not a very long bit, the Vivaldi bit, actually. When no, it I isn't. went back and watched it, but, it was, uh, but yeah, it works. Um, Oh, I just, I kind of love it all. I, I love the way that they just sort of edge closer to each other on the subway car. And then, and they're kind of look. they're kind of like, kind of, they're both decent guys-ish by the standards of this movie, at least. And they're sort of waiting for the car to clear out a little bit yeah. before they go for each other. And it's that sort of unspoken acknowledgement that there are rules that I quite enjoy in that scene. I thought that was great. Someone wrote in, I don't have a name here, sorry, uh, but that they thought the reaction of the passengers to the the massive knife fight breaking out in the tube, or the subway, rather, mm. sorry, uh, was, was, was slightly unrealistic that people would be running for the doors. But I think in a situation like that, and I'm, I'm sure we've all been in a situation where someone has wigged out a little bit on a tube train, you tend to just kind of keep your head down and, <laughs> and freeze a bit and watch there the, is, yeah. I think that's probably the least alarming thing they'd seen on the subway that day <laughs> it's New York have you been there the subway is fine now it's not the 80s James Jeez. It's, it's full of crazy people you're full of crazy people <laughs> when was the last time you were on the subway in New York James uh, well funnily enough when I went on the set of John Wick 2 <laughs> <laughs> did you see any knife fights anyone I saw, trying to kill each other You. I saw things you people wouldn't believe <laughs> Attack ships on fire. Exactly. <laughs> on the L beams glitter in the dark by the, you know, Houston shop. What? Houston, Houston. It's Houston. I said Houston. It's not Houston. Houston. It's Houston, isn't it? It is Houston. 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 Yeah. Houston. 
Yeah. Yeah, Houston. Uh, I love that sequence. I think it's really, really cool. I'm, I'm intrigued that uh, Common's character is going to presumably come back. With yeah. a knife in his heart. Uh, well, you know, you can take that out. It's yeah. fine. Just, you know, it's He just it's needs to take do a, it under medical supervision. It's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. He's going to need a really, really talented surgeon to, to sort him out, but he'll be fine. And he's got that look in his face going, oh, I'm going to, oh, I'll get you, John Wick. I'll maybe take a little while to recuperate. Um, I also like the sort of montage where you see John Wick uh, take on a whole bunch of different assassins. Uh, and I think that, that maybe points towards the craziness that Chapter 3 could be, where the, mm. the threat could come from anywhere or anyone uh, under any guise. Yeah. Um, and just, the, the, you know, we talked about the doubling down of this movie, the doubling down of the craziness and the, and the, the deepening of the mythology, and that it reminds me a little bit of the plot of the Naked Gun. <laughs> Vincent Ludwig talks about anyone can be an assassin. And it feels like that's what this movie is. It's full of homeless people who are assassins, master assassins. It is full of buskers who are master assassins. <laughs> people just walking along the street in sushi bars. They are assassins as well. So, you know, yeah. have I just missed out on assassin training? Did I not? go to that particular class at school. Did you miss that day? I must have oh, missed that day. it was such day. a good day, yeah. Yeah. It was really useful for the sort of bell curve in the school because you could <laughs> kill your enemies. Well, of course, we're Northern Irish. We... We always do. We always do. <laughs> um, we have a question from Ask the Movie Saint. Uh, what's the most gruesome death? But which one made you physically recoil the most? Personally, for me, it was either the pencil in the mm-hmm. neck yeah. or when John held uh, red shirts to the wall by a shotgun while he reloaded, then made his chest disappear. Um, pencil. That's it. Yeah. Pencil. It was the pencil. It was the pencil. It's the gore on the pencil I was like, afterwards. Ew. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> yeah, that's not. That wasn't. That, no. Bad, no. But good pencil scene. It, it was very good. Chekhov's pencil. You uh, yeah. you introduce the idea that John Wick can... can yeah, like, you introduce a loaded pencil. You know absolutely. you're going to use it. <laughs> I believe it's leaded pencil. You introduce it and then you pay it off uh, later on. Although there's only two guys, wasn't it? He kills with the pencil in the, uh, in this, in the yeah. sushi bar. Yeah. Not three, because historically it was three. Historically, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I like that. It's a very brutal movie. Very brutal movie. Lots of headshots in this film. Uh, there is a an infographic. Am I right? I think there's an infographic guy yeah. by a guy called uh, George Hatsis uh, who did an amazing Kingsman demographic as well, where he broke down. I think he broke down specifically the church fight into uh, how many people Colin Firth killed, and he he, he did the same here for uh, for John Wick Chapter Two. Incredibly fast work, it has to be said, but uh, a lot of headshots. Over a hundred deaths. Uh, it's it's yes, yeah, 170 something, I believe. Wow, probably 180 something. Oh. But yes, it's up there. Uh, we have a question from at Laura Hotch via Twitter. I'm a bit confused about the hierarchy. Ian McShane's in charge of the Continental. Says he's a bit independent from the high table, but yet he has a big ledger of debts, and he puts out the excommunicado on John Wick. So are the high table actually in charge, or are they just peacekeepers amongst the factions? It felt like McShane holds all the power. Interesting. Who's in charge here? Well, they deliberately don't say, do they? I mean, it's 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 Stahelski's very kind of keen to not demystify the mythology. But in my head, the uh, various heads of the Continentals are kind of sort of regional governors, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the high table is obviously they're representatives of all the various organised crime syndicates and they govern as a whole. But you, you get the impression there's a level of local autonomy and that in each city, the manager of the Continental is essentially the local... Capo, and it's a place to go well, where everyone can go and re- and and have a bit of R and R. Yeah, I've, yeah, I think I think they're kind of independent for well, me because yeah. I think because 
Well, you have interesting things, don't you? Because you have the reference to members of the high table having territories. So somebody is mm. responsible for New York, but the Continental clearly is independent of that. And one gets the sense that the Continentals are not independent of each other. They clearly have yeah. a structure. And our impression sure, certainly is that Winston is number one and Franco Nero is, you know, somewhere Franco else. Franco Nero. We haven't even Franco mentioned Nero. Franco Nero. Amazing. <laughs> is, is somewhere else in the structure. Um, I do like, <laughs> obviously, if you notice uh, McShane's uh, sort of account number is 1111. <laughs> so he's presumably pretty senior in yeah. the organisation. Although the Continental in Rome was the first ever Continental. I know this because the uh, producer told me on set. Interesting. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. But yes, you're but right. It, but they could go back to, you know, yes. in the Middle Ages. In exactly. Theory, well, right? I think it did, yes. Yeah. I think that's the impression that's been around for hundreds of years. But but the, when Keanu was spitballing his, his John Wick 3, he was saying, does it set the high table against the Continental? So yes, yes they would have a degree so, of separation. Exactly. So, so he's entities. seeing them as, as separate entities. So oh. I think we can assume. And that he's he John Wick, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, so yes. I mean, this is the thing. He obviously plays John Wick, but he has a, a fair amount of, of of power in terms of where the this story is going to go. I, I yeah. guess as well. Uh, it's interesting, I, and I really, really like the relationship between Winston and Jonathan. Mm. Uh, How come if he's Jonathan, his name is shortened to John with an H? Well, come looked, on, people. Helen, I've looked this up. It's very valid Jonathan, point. Jonathan with an H is a, is a name. It's a Hebrew <laughs> name. It's a name that that, oh, okay. that exists. Fine. It is fine. It's okay. Jonathan Wick with This is H. actually a thing, because I remember looking this up once and the reason that the etymology of the name Jonathan, no H, and the etymology of the name John with an H are completely separate. They come from separate sources. They're not actually related to each other in any way. Uh, yeah, from when I from my cursory Google yesterday, <laughs> uh, uh, I believe you're right in that it, they're not necessarily linked. But then again, people but people do this all the time. You know, people have little nicknames for each other that don't necessarily relate to... Yeah. The actual name. But perhaps he is related to, or at least close friends with, Milo from The Last Boy Scout. And that's actually where it comes from. <laughs> perhaps it is. Um, but I love that relationship. I think it's a really interesting mm. place for that to go. And I hope we, you know, I think that Winston will, will I think Winston and Lance Reddick will, will turn up and start helping John Wick on the fly as well as well. I don't know as, if they can help. I don't know if they can help. Because he, he gave him a stay, didn't he? Yeah. A brief yeah. He gave him an stay. hour. Do you think that's, that's, as, much think that's as, as much as he can do? I think so. Um, but I would like to see um, I would like to see Lance Reddick and the dog again. He was a good dog. You know, I just <laughs> I would like to see that little double act developed a little bit further. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if they can help outright. I will be interested to see where that goes. What do you think John Wick's dog's gonna be called? Bouncer. I was genuinely, I, I was genuinely intrigued by that. I love that that's one of the the threads that has not been resolved, and I am fascinated to see what his dog ends up being called. If indeed he has a name, you know. What was the first one called? Daisy, Daisy. wasn't it? Was it Daisy? Yeah. Daisy, yeah. Okay. <laughs> is it bad that we knew that? Instantly? That is, yeah, <laughs> troubling on many levels. So could this one could be called Ridley, and perhaps he's just a it, massive Star Wars it, fan. It, it could be that. It could be that. <laughs> Daisy and Ridley, uh, like Daisy Ridley. I just I, realized I that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. From the film Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura Hodge also had a, uh, an addendum to her question, which was, uh, if there is a big bad in charge of the high table, which amazing actor from Keanu's past should it be? <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss. Alex Winters, obviously. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. William. Dude. Dude. <laughs> be excellent to each other. Nick Nolte? <laughs> 
George this Carlin returns triumphantly as Rufus. It could be amazing. Sandra Bullock. Sandra. Oh, Sandra Bullock. My God, that's it. That's it. It's got to be Sandra Bullock. It's got to be. It's got to be Sandra. It's got to be Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Make it happen. There you go. Make it happen. And the whole of John Wick Chapter <laughs> Three is him on a bus. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Well, I was a lake house reunion. A lake house reunion. <laughs> oh my god! I was genuinely thinking, like, how do you get out of Manhattan in an hour? Um, no one looks at the buses, don't they? Though, because all the homeless people w- might be around the bus station. Everybody looks at the buses. Um, I mean, just to get out of that part of the middle of Central Park and to one of the train stations is a long walk, you know, and he's he hasn't got that much time. And oh, he has to pick I'm up really his stressed. car before he does anything else, he has to pick up his but car. But his his car is definitely on the other side of the bridge, right? Well, I mean, his hour. car is not in Manhattan. But he's got an hour. Yeah, I know he has an hour, but that's not a long time is what I'm saying. If it's like it's the middle of the afternoon, it seems to be busy, there's traffic, you know. Uh-huh. And packs. he's limping. And he's limping and he has a dog, so like some buses and stuff aren't going to let him on. Uh, he'll presumably he'll get in a cab. But can he trust any cab drivers? But yes. if he keeps switching cabs, or maybe but that takes up time. Maybe he'll get an Uber. Maybe there's a continental style oh, Uber. Oh, he, can, he can definitely Uber. trust an Uber. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay, I think he can make it there in time because he has an hour. But the, all the assassins in the world, and it seems that they're all, all in New York at this point. Um, <laughs> Some of those people were just people whose phones were ringing. That's probably. it. And they were just looking at him in a really sinister way. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's because um, he's just paranoid at this point. Like, he doesn't know who he can trust, uh-huh. I think is the idea. Um, but the other question is, will like, if he gets there after 55 minutes, will Leguizamo be able to give him his car? I think for And does old, his car run? For old time's sake. Has he had time to fix it? Has he had time to fix it? I he mean, said uh, Christmas it 2030. Was written off. It was written off. Uh, that looks like a bit of a fixer-upper <laughs> to me. But I think, I think, even if he doesn't give him his car, he can at least give him a, a runaround. <laughs> I, 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 this may say more about me than it does about the film, but the thing that really bugged me about that beginning bit is he's clearly going to get into a fight with these people. They're clearly going to start mm. shooting. He finds his car, and then what I would have done was killed everyone, then gone and got my car, and he gets in. It's like, your car's about to get wrecked. There's no way this car doesn't get wrecked. Don't get in the car. As a non-car person, <laughs> right, when he started driving his car into other people's cars, I thought, aha, maybe he's just taken the wrong car, and then he'll get back, go back and get his car once he's killed them all. Mm. And I didn't actually realise... Uh, for a little while that he was in his car and he destroyed yeah. his car and he destroyed his just, car honestly it was just like oh, beautiful car this? well again an endless array of disposable henchmen attack him with a car just shoot him guys it's so much so much easier he's that, there I mean that doesn't work either though we've seen it where can I get those bulletproof shirts oh I want a bulletproof suit well, I yeah, must the, have a bulletproof suit the suit was pretty cool tactical lining oh, it's just really. genius uh, do we want to see Sarah Fenwich back as a sommelier yes I, I think that 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 was a lovely sequence, and I thought it was great. I don't know if I need to see the same sequence again, but uh, well, he needs to be tooled up, John Wick. Oh, I mean, he's he not going to. But he can't he can't go to Serafinovitz because he's part of the Continental. Ah, yes, oh. that's right. He's, he's excommunicated. He'll have to. If only there were places in America where you could, you know, buy guns <laughs> and you know, like over the counter, then then he'd be fine. Yeah, well, I guess he's stuck. Stuck yeah. then. Oof. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would just be silly. I wonder if we'll get uh, the, the cop Jimmy back again. You working? You working again, John? <laughs> 
can't be a John Wick movie without him asking that question. Um, we've got a question from Mike P. Williams who asks, while this film is satisfyingly pro-dog, it feels anti-cat. Please discuss in detail the merits of cats. <laughs> um, there are none. There are none. And actually, if uh, I tell you what, I saw another film recently called Elle, uh, which uh-huh. absolutely illustrates that cats are useless. So, um, yeah, don't get a cat, get a dog. Wow, three very dog people here. <laughs> very Sorry. dog, much woof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I don't mind. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah cats are okay. But they're fine. I don't understand why you bring something into your house that treats you with contempt as as standard. If I'm gonna, I mean, if, if I'm you want that, you get something. married. Exactly. Oh, there we go. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> if I'm gonna feed something and like take it to the vet and stuff, I want some like unfiltered adoration. Is what I want. Yeah, so I'm maybe this says something unhealthy about me. Um, I want to uh, say something uh, quickly about you can't. Keanu Reeves' no. uh, noises when he gets hit. Did anyone else notice this? No. He just makes amazing noises when people hit him. There's a there was a, a sort of a yart noise which was incredible. <laughs> a yart, 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 yart. <laughs> and that's some sort of snurf, snurf, nerg. <laughs> they genuinely listen to this next time you watch the movie. The, the noises are amazing. So what you're saying is they're vocalizations of those fantastic kind of comic book, yes, block sound effects. Exactly. It's like, it's like 1966 Batman, Captain America. I command you to wank. <laughs> What? You've not seen that? No! What amazing, are you talking about? An amazing panel. There's an amazing panel from a Captain America comic where this bad guy, and I don't remember the bad guy, is going, Captain America, I command you to... And then he's interrupted by Cap who throws a shield at him and his shield hits a bad guy in the face. And the, and the, the noise effect the, is... Yeah, the onomatopoeic effect is um, wank. <laughs> Because, so. of course, Americans don't know what that traditionally what that word means, which is why Spike got away with it in Buffy for so long. He used to call people a <laughs> wanker people all the time. And they didn't it know. is funny when you get that, because with Avatar, we had that. Remember the last the last airbender? And they had lines in it when they would say, like, oh, the yeah. Fires Tribe are the biggest benders. And no one could understand why in, in British cinemas, like, loads of people were just pissing themselves laughing, because it just said incredibly flat. And they had no idea that yeah. it was a British Stephen Patel phrase. must have been trying to say something. <laughs> He's guys, saying, guys, uh, uh, seriously, really? well, no. Come on. Um, I don't think we've talked enough. We've got a few minutes left. I don't think we've talked enough about how awesome Keanu Reeves is uh, in this role. And I know that you guys are deeply in love with him, having met him and having had him rub his stardust on your faces. Oh, he did. Um, But, you know, I wrote about this in my review a little bit, that... His his career since Matrix has been somewhat overshadowed by Neo, mm. and he's made movies, but not that many. If you look back at his, he's very very juicy. And in that time, obviously, he's made the likes of Constantine, which I think is fantastic. You know, if, if uh, there's a film ripe for rediscovery and championing, uh, but I don't know if he found a role that really he connected with the way that he connected mm. with Neo. And now I feel he has found it. And yes, people will still criticize his acting and they'll still criticize his delivery. That's his voice, guys. That's all he has to work with. But I think he's great in this role. And there's, this could have been, and I've said it a little bit before about how this could have been just another generic action sequel. And the first one could have been just another generic action movie. And this could have been just another generic action character. But there's something that he brings to it. A cool, a suaveness, a sophistication. And he looks Fucking excellent! Yeah, he all really the way does. through. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, you know, a lifelong, pretty much Keanu apologist. Um, I genuinely like. I, I, you know where the bastard sleeps. <laughs> I, I've, I, I kind of 
started when I started really getting into movies I was getting into like Bill and Ted and Point Break and that whole era yeah. of Keanu and I don't think anyone who is as talentless as his critics sometimes suggest makes so many great movies by accident that's yeah. not a thing that happens he's fantastic you have to give him credit for these things I mean yes he was terrible in Dracula and he's had a few unfortunate roles no but Dracula but is terrible he, Dracula kind of, is a he terrible fits movie. in with the terribleness of everything around I him it's kind of wonderful like I enjoy it as well, but on a no. maybe different level than uh, no. maybe I should. No, you're both wrong. No, it is, the, it is it is the cats of movies. It is just an oh. utterly oh. pointless thing. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love cats. I love cats. Um, cats is terrible, but Dracula Cats and Musical is terrible. He's literally sitting here wearing a necklace made of severed cat heads. It's important you know this. Jellicle cats. Shove oh. it up your bollocks. Um, Do you remember the movie Sleepwalkers? Where they were like Stephen King's Sleepwalkers, yes. Yeah, where cats were the only things that could save us from these vampiric were creatures, which is weird because Stephen King's a, a dog guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, they they could save us from from the mummy. So I guess they're useful if you're being attacked by mummy or those were creatures. What were they called? Anyone? Anyone? I, I know Enya okay. sang the title music, but that's basically all I remember. But you look back at Kenny's career, and he has Point Break, as Helen pointed out. Speed. Speed. Uh, he has the the Matrix uh, movies, mm. of course. First one. Probably a little better than the others. Uh, And then then he's got this role as well. That's four cracking action hero roles in a career. And I would add Constantine to that as well, because I I really love that film. That's five in a career. How many other actors can name that, can can match that? I, I mean, and, you know, and those are not his only good roles, but yeah, those are his, I mean... Those four action classics, really. That's that's stunning. Mm. Oh, he's just he's just consistently underrated, and uh, even when he is, you know, one of the biggest stars in the world, he should be bigger. So I love him. Uh, let's talk about Lawrence Fishburne because yeah. the, the film starts with a Keanu reunion with Peter Stamari, but then it it, it builds <laughs> to the to the reunion of uh, of Neo and Morpheus. Mm. Uh, interesting that. What, what do you make of that relationship with the Bowery King and, and John Wick? It was it was kind of a, it didn't play out quite the way I expected in some ways. I think I, I like the whole the whole idea that John Wick had left him essentially not quite for dead, but left him behind on the basis that you can either stay alive or chase me. You can't do both. Um, and I thought I thought that was a really nice kind of setup. But I, I don't know. I, I I was hoping for maybe or expected a bit more collaboration between them. And I was mm. quite it was quite interesting that. Um, that Fishburne's Barry King was as was as tough on him as he was. I thought that was quite quite fun in a way. It was unexpected, but it kind of worked. Can I point out something that I really enjoyed about this film that uh, I think is a flaw of the first movie? Is that John Wick is presented throughout the movie, the first movie, uh, as an unstoppable killing machine, the mm. Baba Yaga, the hitman that all hitmen fear. And yet, twice during the film, he has to be bailed out by... Uh, Marcus, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think I said Marcus earlier. Right. I, yeah. I think that's what I called uh, John Lucasamo's character. People were probably screaming at me saying I'm wrong. I am wrong. Marcus was Willem Dafoe's character. Um, and he's bailed out twice by Marcus. In fact, during that classic John Wick uh, bit of dialogue, you know, I'm thinking I'm back. He's tied to a chair about to be killed with no possible <laughs> hope of escape. <laughs> In this movie, though, that doesn't happen. He does. You know, he is on the run. He does need people's assistance. But at no point is he 
chained up at, yeah. at, at all points he's on the offensive and he's able to fight back when people attack him and I really really like that last time he was out of practice this time <laughs> he's loosened up you know he's, he's done got, his warm up so, he's got his eye in uh, yeah he's fine <laughs> and hopefully that Fishburne relationship will, will carry on yeah. as well did you see very very quickly the picture of uh, it was at the, one of the premieres for John Wick Chapter 2 of Fishburne and Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss together yeah. and it, it gave me chills in a way I honestly wasn't expecting uh, so maybe maybe Carrie Ann Moss should show up but Sandra Bullock should be the head should be the head should be the head of the high table and if that doesn't happen Chaz Tehelski and I know you're listening to this podcast then it is frankly sir a dereliction of duty you're you're calling out the director of John Wick yeah yes the man who has <laughs> the professional uh, stuntman the professional yeah. stuntman the, who has an array of professional stuntmen yeah working for him and with him yeah the, the one who's a competitive belt. level uh, shooter as well yeah and that, a that's the guy you're like, calling out just to be clear yeah. see I Next week's podcast have, will be hosted by someone alive. I didn't have all those facts to hand when I was when I said that. <laughs> uh, I just I just say this: fake news. Um, <laughs> yes, Chad Stahelski, an apology. Uh, when I said that a couple of minutes ago, I I, did, I I'm I'm really sorry. Please don't kill me. Um, right? Should we? Is that it? Mm. Have we said enough about this this movie? I don't think we can ever say enough. But, we <laughs> no, but we've probably bored everyone to death by this point. So. Yes, we should. And we should go off to see the film that will form the basis of our next spoiler special as well. Yeah, We're literally going to screen now of Logan, which will be our next spoiler special with director James Mangold. Yes. Uh, and which, this is, of course, the prequel, Ted Theodore Logan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing connected to Logan at all. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an interesting uh, wrinkle? Uh, as ever, thank you for listening. Uh, that spotter special for Logan will be out uh, March 6th, I okay. think. Keep your ears peeled for that one. Also, the uh, regular podcast is out every Friday, so do listen to that. If you don't already, do subscribe to it on iTunes and do leave us nice comments, uh, not nasty ones, on the reviews section as well. Right, that is it for our John Wick Chapter 2 spotter special. It is goodbye from Helen. Tiddly. It is goodbye from Jimbo. I'm thinking we'll be back. <laughs> and yes we will be back hopefully for John Wick Chapter 3 in a couple of years time uh, it's goodbye from me as well thank you for listening I'm off to stay in the Continental <laughs>